We have two passages of scripture this morning, um, both on the theme of peace. Uh, and the first passage comes from Colossians 3 and continues our series on uh, Colossians 3. Uh, and this is Paul writing to the believers in Colossae, starting at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And the second passage comes from John 14, and is Jesus speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper, starting at verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Well, to all of you at Shirley Baptist Church, whether you're here in person or online, who are loved by God and set apart to be holy, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're probably a little more familiar with hearing those words at the end of a service as some sort of blessing but they actually appear in the first chapter of Romans when Paul is writing his letter to the church in Rome. Actually, I did change a bit. It says to the church in Rome, not the church at Shirley Baptist Church, but you probably picked that up. But at the beginning of his letter to Romans, Paul gives them this wonderful greeting, grace and peace to you. These gifts of God are reminders of the bounty that we have in our relationship with God through Jesus. And grace is one of those things that we talk about quite a lot in our church, the bountiful mercy of God. But peace is something that we don't talk about so much. So our focus this morning is on the peace of Jesus, the peace of Jesus. And this is part of our continuing uh, investigation of, of Colossians chapter 3 which uh, we've been going through for the last couple of weeks uh, Evan 
and Mark have spoken on Colossians chapter 3, different verses. And uh, in this chapter, Paul is building up a picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You may remember, if you've uh, you heard Evans, um, he talked about how the letter to Colossians was written by Paul with, um, with a view to, to helping them. They, they had certain pressures from different people saying, fine, it's okay for you to believe in, in Jesus, but you, you also need to follow the, the Old Testament law. Or some of them were saying, but you also need these mystical experiences. And Paul is writing to them saying, no, Christ is all you need. Christ is sufficient. And in this chapter 3, Paul is building up a picture of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And Evan spoke about the wardrobe of Jesus from verse 12. The clothes of Jesus, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then last week, Mark spoke about the heart of Jesus which is love and forgiveness. And these things, as we try and build them into our lives, lead on to the next verse, which is verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I love that first word, let. You know, often when we are thinking about what it means to be a Christian it's about striving for something we, we want to be better at doing certain things and both Evan and Mark spoke about how difficult it is sometimes to, to love, to forgive, to express kindness and gentleness and patience and we should strive for these things but when we come to, the, to peace Paul says let the peace of Christ, it's about allowing it to happen submitting to it, accepting it, receiving it. It's not one of those things you can say, I really want the peace of Christ in my life. That really wouldn't work, would it? You've got to just allow Jesus to give you this gift, surrender to it. In a sense, the resistance comes from that idea of simply rejecting or refusing that gift. So, we understand it's a gift, but what, what is it exactly? I think this is, this is a good question, because uh, if we reflect on those verses that Matt also read from John chapter 14, when Jesus was speaking, he said, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So Jesus was making a distinction, wasn't he, between his peace and the peace the world gives. He was recognizing that there's different types of peace, different meanings to it. So asking the question, what exactly is this peace, is something we should explore. Now, those of you who have children may have come across this book, Five Minutes Peace by Jill Murphy. It features the characters of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Large and their three children, who are all elephants. And um, uh, in this story, Mrs. Large is uh, at breakfast with her three children. And there's there's a mess everywhere. It's a bit chaotic. 
And Mrs. Large decides to go and have five minutes peace. She sets herself a tray with her breakfast and uh, she goes off to have a bath for five minutes. Uh, it doesn't go well. Uh, first of all, their oldest son, he, he comes and he wants to play the recorder for her. Uh, and then the next one comes along and wants to do practice her reading. And then finally the little one arrives and throws all his toys in the bath and jumps in as well. Uh, so in the end, Mrs. Large gets out of the bath, leaves the three of them all in the bath, and goes downstairs where she has precisely three minutes and 45 seconds of peace before they all come and join her. Well, that's one type of peace, isn't it? This, this idea of peace and quiet, which is all about getting away from the troubles, the tensions, whatever they are in your life, withdrawing from them. And that's perfectly valid and good type of peace, isn't it? We, we, we even see Jesus doing a similar thing. He goes away early in the morning sometimes to pray and have a time of peace and quiet. Nothing wrong with that. But I don't think that that temporary withdrawal from the tensions is what we're talking about when we're thinking of Jesus peace, the peace of Jesus. It's not a temporary thing. It's a more permanent thing. And to be a permanent thing, it has to exist within the tensions. While the tensions and troubles are around you, to have that peace as something that's permanent and steady in your life. There's another type of peace that um, the people who were reading Paul's words in his letter may have thought about and that's because at the time, of course, they were uh, under the Roman rule. And there was this thing called the, the Peace of Rome, the Pax Romana, which was the idea that uh, Rome said, well, look, you become subject to us, uh, you obey our rules, you pay our taxes, and uh, we will bring you peace. Well, that's that sort of enforced peace, that conditional peace. It's very superficial, isn't it? In a sense, you're you're taking one lot of peace and, and replacing it, or one lot of tensions and replacing it with another. You can imagine the people in that situation didn't enjoy being under that uh, that rule. And I think the peace of Jesus isn't like that. It isn't enforced. It isn't conditional in that sense. It's a gift. It's a gift. And it doesn't just replace one set of tensions with another. It actually brings something much more real. I'm very conscious in thinking about that example of the situation in Afghanistan at the moment, where the people who are sort of in charge of the cities have had to make a choice about whether to accept um, the, 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 the dominance of, of the Taliban to come in and give them peace, in a sense, or to rebel and be at war. And that situation going on today reminds us of how terrible uh, that's, you know, the, the, the conflict between war and peace is in people's lives, making those sort of decisions. And we'll be praying, I think, for the situation in Afghanistan later. So the peace of Jesus is not temporary. It's, it's a more permanent thing. 
It doesn't exist by taking out the tensions and troubles in life, but by allowing you to have peace, the peace of Jesus within them. It's not enforced. It is a gift, and it is deep within us. In Colossians 3, having talked a little about peace and these other attributes of being a follower of Jesus, Paul does go on to give some examples of situations where conflicts and tensions may arise. Uh, First one is wives and husbands. I don't know if anybody relates to that. I'm just, no, okay. But of course in Paul's situation, the, the, the society was very patriarchal. And so there was this hierarchy of male and female. And the tensions that existed in that situation were very significant. He then talks about children and parents. And again, there was a strong parents uh, below children hierarchy. And he also talks about slaves and masters, which again has that strong sense of one person set above another. And those sort of tensions and troubles were, were very much in Paul's mind as he was thinking about what it means to be a Christian and talking to the Colossians. How should the Christians behave? And it's interesting that Paul addresses both sides of these situations, the wives and the husbands, the children and the fathers, the slaves and the masters. But on all occasions, he addresses first the person in the lower status, the person who is oppressed or poor or underprivileged. And that resonates, doesn't it, with other things that we we read about Jesus and in the Bible and God's heart for those who are underprivileged. But I think Paul wants the peace of Jesus to come into these situations in a powerful and affirming way. It's interesting that Paul doesn't say to the people who are in that lower situation, fight for your rights. He talks about obeying and submitting And I think he can do that because he has in mind this peace of Jesus. Because if you know who you are in Jesus, if you know that you are a child of God, that you are equal to any person because of that, then you can submit to those situations knowing that your life is hidden in Christ. Just one more story before I finish. And this is from Matthew chapter 8. Jesus, at the beginning of this story, is actually seeking some peace and quiet. Uh, As you know, from time to time, he would get into the boat with his disciples and cross the lake to get away from the crowds. And on this occasion, Jesus is so tired, he falls asleep in the boat as they're traveling along. And then this storm rises up suddenly. And the disciples, some of whom are, you know, expert fishermen used to these things. They are worried. They are severely worried by the the, the waves around them. And they decide to wake Jesus up. And they shake him and say, save us, save us. And Jesus does wake up and calms the storm. But then he turns to them and says, you of little faith, why are you afraid? And I always find that a very challenging question in that situation because if I was there I'm sure I would do exactly the same as the disciples it's that first instinct isn't it save us save us 
But it makes me think, well, what should they have done? What would have been a better reaction in that situation? Well, I think it's part of the answer is to do with this sense of faith and peace in Jesus, confidence in Jesus. Perhaps it was okay to wake Jesus up and say, but that sense of panic, that sense of desperation, maybe was too much. Maybe it's a question of having peace in our hearts, that whatever the storm that's going on around us, we can have confidence in Jesus. And I think when Jesus calms the storm, he shows his disciples without any doubt that he is master of all things. There is nothing that is outside of his control. But our role is to accept this peace of Jesus and within the tensions and troubles of our lives to have confidence in him. So, to end, let me just say to you, whatever your storm is at the moment, and you know, some of you may be going through very difficult and hard times, and all of us will at different points in our lives. But some of you are going through things that are not, you know, massive things, but they are, they're concerning you, they're worrying you, they're troubling you. Whatever your storm is, may the peace of Jesus be with you. Amen.